As featured in the November 2023 issue of Men's Health magazine, To Catch a Con Man is the very intimate and detailed true story of exposing one of the most prolific and successful serial con men to operate in the Midwest. A career con man who was able to get away with scamming and stealing in and around the suburbs of Chicago for more than 40 years. What's even more interesting is that he had never been arrested in Illinois for running his scams, some that date as far back as the 1980s. If there is a living devil and evil on this earth, it is him. To Catch a Con Man is brought to you by Studio 847 in Long Grove, Illinois. Could a hundred grand sustain my life? It couldn't even come close. So, so listen to me. If I was going to be in some sort of a con, scam, conniving thing, it'd be for millions. It wouldn't be for $100,000. Listener discretion is advised, as some of this programming contains language and content that might be offensive to some listeners. Thank you for continuing to listen to and support To Catch a Con Man. On the last episode, The Perfect Storm, no one could have known what was blowing in off the horizon. The world as we knew it was thrust into a quest to overcome a pandemic, and there is a pause in the case. On this episode, Adam finally catches a break and then goes on the offensive once again, as a promise by the Lake County State's Attorney's Office never gets fulfilled. This is... Thank God for Dorothy Tucker. Join me on this adventure to catch a con man. This is Adam Albin. It's March 12th, 2021. I am out walking in my neighborhood with my wife. It happened to be a sunny, semi-brisk 45-degree morning when a call comes into my cell phone. The phone flashes, no caller ID. I tell my wife it's George Red, and I better answer it. I answer the call, and George Red asks me if I am sitting down. I said, no, man, I am getting my walk on. He blurts out, an arrest warrant has been issued for Dugo. He goes on to say that the paperwork was filed and approved on Wednesday, March 10th, 2021, and Dugo will be surrendering himself today, Friday, March 12th, to the Lake County Jail. I am shocked, and he keeps on going to tell me he is calling the Lake County Clerk's Office to get a copy of the charges and the documents that may have been submitted. In the early afternoon of March 12, 2021, Ricky Dugo walks himself into the Lake County Jail to surrender himself for the warrant that was issued for his arrest. We learn that he is being charged with six criminal offenses, all of which are felonies. There are only three total victims that have charges associated with Dugo's dirty deeds. The charges read like this. Count 1. Theft. Unauthorized control over property valued at $500,000 to $1 million. Class 1 felony. Count 2. Theft by deception. Intent to deprive control of property valued at $500,000 to $1 million. Again, a Class 1 felony. Count three, theft, unauthorized control over property valued exceeding $10,000, but did not exceed $100,000. That's a class two felony. Count four, theft by deception, intent to deprive control of property valued at $10,000, but did not exceed $100,000. Again, a class two felony. Count five, conspiracy to commit a financial crime, loan fraud, value exceeded $10,000, but did not exceed $100,000, class two felony. Count six, conspiracy to commit a financial crime, loan fraud, 
value exceeded $10,000 but did not exceed $100,000. Again, a Class II felony. As amazing as it was to see that he was now remanding himself into the Lake County Jail, I have to say, only seeing six charges representing three total victims was really disappointing. Counts one and two pertain to Dugo's massive scam of Jim in 2013 because the amount of money was over $100,000. Those were considered a Class I felony. Class I felonies have a seven-year window for statutes of limitations, so luckily Jim's case was still able to have charges against Dugo. Counts three and four were my case against Ricky Dugo. Counts five and six were charges stemming from Dugo coercing Cat to commit financial loan fraud. Six total charges, and I'm thinking, that's it? And I'm getting really upset. What about Dugo's Greg Landing neighbors, my coworker, and Scott? What about Brad's charges? Right there, that would have been another six charges, and all of those took place in Lake County as well. Oh, right, because of all the delays with the case, and then the pandemic, and then the perfect storm that lingered over the horizon, we have more than three victims, and their subsequent charges fall outside and past the statute of limitations. How fortunate for Ricky Dugo. Now, maybe six charges seems like a lot, but when you are slick Rick and you have one of the biggest and baddest defense attorneys on retainer, a guy so powerful, he could literally make information disappear forever from the internet about you. Well, you may not be looking so bad at this point. What a bittersweet feeling, as finally, two and a half years of hard work put in by Lake County finally paid off. It just seemed light to me, and honestly, pretty beatable if Rick was to take the cases to trial. Back in 2018, I had asked Detective Bill and Assistant District Attorney Fred Day a very specific question. If Rick was to get arrested, would Lake County be issuing a press release? I mean, it isn't totally normal for a white-collar criminal to have his name in lights. But the only way for the Chicagoland media to pick up this story was if and when Lake County actually issues a press release. Detective Bill and Fred said emphatically, yes, Lake County will issue a presser, and then the media can run with it if they want to. Yet that press release doesn't happen, and the entire gentleman's agreement to surrender himself to the warrant really makes Dugo's arrest a complete non-event. Dugo's original bond amount was $400,000, which would have meant that he would have had to post 10% of that bond, or $40,000, in order to be able to walk out of jail that day. But his attorney was about to get his bond lowered at a hearing later that day after he remanded himself into custody. His bond is lowered to $100,000, and Dugo's sister Renee Schulte comes to the Lake County Jail with $10,000 and bails him out. Ricky Dugo spent all of six hours in jail. By the arrest warrant being issued on March 10th, 2021, he had two days to coordinate getting the cash to his sister and then had time to orchestrate a very swift visit to the Lake County Jail. 
The gentleman's agreement is another item of contention that gets me all fired up. Fuck Dugo. I mean, this guy isn't worthy of any special treatment. No criminal is worthy of bypassing the bad boys, bad boys, what you gonna do, what you gonna do when they come for you, slap down type of arrest. Arrest this asshole when he's eating dinner at Uncle Julio's with his family. And this may sound harsh, but make it a traumatic event for his wife and kids. Sorry, they eventually need to know what their father really was. And don't forget, they inherited his DNA, just like Rick inherited his father Ulrich's conman ways. I haven't mentioned that before, but Ricky Dugo learned how to con and scam and defraud people from his own father Ulrich. I have talked to one of Dugo's ex-wives who mentioned to me that Ulrich was a career criminal as well and taught Rick the ins and outs on how to successfully steal from people where it was nearly impossible to be charged with a crime. Instead, if this business opportunity Rick was fictitiously selling didn't come to fruition, which of course they never did as they were all backed by lies and deceit, the victim's only recourse would be to sue him in civil court to try to get a judgment in the victim's favor. The key to Dugo shielding himself from ever having to pay anything back was to never have a single asset tied to him directly. He wouldn't have a bank account. He wouldn't have a credit card in his name. He wouldn't have a job or retirement savings account. He wouldn't put a house or car or anything in his name. If we look at the insane amount of civil cases that victims sued Rick for since the 1990s, nearly all of them had judgments against Rick for very large sums of money. But something you may not know is this. While the judgments have to be paid back, there is no penalty if Dugo didn't pay them back. And because he had no assets in his name, victims could not put liens against Rick that would ever have to be paid. I mean, this whole idea of protecting yourself by not having a single dime in your name proved to be brilliant, as no matter the judgment against Rick, he never had to pay a penny back. Dugo was always winning, no matter if the case against him had proved to be a loser. This is why I hate Ricky Dugo so much. He is so well-versed in the law, he knew the ins and outs of how to get away with stealing and scamming for more than 40 years. He was always two steps ahead of the law. He was always even more steps ahead of the poor victims, who never figured out what was happening until six months after the proverbial Dugo Financial decimation ship had sailed. On the afternoon of March 12, 2021, I received a call from attorney Kevin Barrell, who had a victim's advocate on the phone with him, and he went over the charges and explained the next steps in a very high-level broad sense. He explained what may be happening next and what I should expect moving forward. While the courts were now back open for cases, there was a humongous logjam and backlog of cases from the pandemic that would most likely make the process of moving this case forward very slow. He was telling me I needed to dig in and be patient. For the first few months, if there was any motion or case management meeting, we would have to log on via Zoom as the court's docket would only be conducted online as in court proceedings had not yet opened back up in public or in person. I asked Kevin about the press release, and he said he didn't know if Lake County would be issuing one, but he would ask around. 
I reminded him of the promises that were made by the investigative team and that it was important to get something out so that other media outlets could disseminate the information and make this thing public. But that didn't happen. I would have to once again go on the offensive and force Lake County to issue the press release, the press release they promised me would happen when he was arrested. You may be wondering why this press release was so important. Well, if Lake County issues a press release, which is also known as a bulletin, this bulletin would show up on the Lake County State's Attorney's website which most of the media outlets are following and use for already vetted stories about crime. I went out to every local media's website and looked for the email address to send tips to. I created this email, which I will read to you. The subject, legendary con man caught by Lake County State's Attorney's Office. You will want to read this and follow up on this information. One of Chicago's longest acting con men that has never been arrested in Illinois finally has warrants issued for his arrest in Lake County. Case number 21CF0000369. People versus Dugo. There has been a con man operating in Lake County, Cook County, DuPage County for the past. 30 plus years. He has never been arrested in Illinois. He has conned hundreds of victims in this state, conning victims using schemes and scams for over three to five million dollars in cash and cars, rented houses, boats, and motorcycles. You will want to investigate Ricky A. Dugo, aka Rick A. Dugo previously known as Rick Schulte, a.k.a. Ricky Massetti, a.k.a. Big Rick. He's currently residing in Lake Forest, 602 Wharton Drive, Lake Forest, Illinois. The investigation has been ongoing for almost three years. He has a felony guilty conviction in Ohio for theft that's on his record. Additionally, there are over 20 victims in the Lake of the Ozarks, where he stole over $2 million from the folks down there. The Missouri Attorney General never made a case of it. I sent that email to every media outlet in the Chicagoland area on March 12, 2021 at 11.26 a.m. Central Time. That email was sent to the Chicago Tribune, the Daily Herald, ABC7 News, Fox Chicago, NBC5 Chicago, CBS2 Chicago, WGN Channel 9, and finally, to the Lake County Scanner Facebook email alias to spread the word. Now, here is the fucked up part. I mean, the email I sent should have at least garnered a look-see by someone at one of these media outlets. But I do not receive a single email back asking me to provide details and or to talk about what I know. Not one response. I was flabbergasted. I just couldn't believe no one fucking cared about what I thought was this amazing event in his eventual arrest. I started to get mad. George Red and I were talking, and I'm all fired up. We are venting to one another, and I have this very candid conversation about how Dugo just keeps on winning. 
I mean, there is zero media coverage. His arrest is a complete non-event. He just strolls into Lake County's jail and surrenders himself and has his sister, Renee Schulte, bail him out a few hours later. I mean, you can't make this shit up. I decided I would give it a few days to see if any of the media outlets actually respond. But as you can imagine, that wait was in vain, and not a single response comes back to the conbyrick at gmail.com email box. George Red mentions I should take a look at a local CBS2 investigative reporter's work into another Chicagoland scammer named Candace Clark. Candace Clark was another serial scammer and squatter that was being investigated by a tenacious and feisty reporter named Dorothy Tucker. Basically, Dorothy Tucker spent three years investigating Candace Clark and her twisted tale of lies and deceptions that also span decades. I really needed to find a well-known reporter that I could partner with, and so I spent a few hours watching more than a year's worth of Dorothy Tucker CBS2 investigative reports. She did some really good work. I wondered, what if I sent her a very in-depth and personal email? Would she read it and potentially respond to it? At this point, we had zero media coverage, and I was like, fuck it, here I go. And I typed Dorothy Tucker up an email and sent it over to her on March 16th, 2021 at 12.48 p.m. Part of the email is below. Good afternoon, Dorothy. You investigated Candace Clark recently. Amazing job on uncovering her shenanigans. There is a much bigger story. Rick Dugo has been conning the people in Illinois and Missouri since the 1980s. He has never been arrested in Illinois prior to me and my team bringing a case and detailed victims list to Lake County in 2018. Legendary con man caught by the Lake County State's attorney. The email was chock full of case numbers and details about Ricky Dugo and information about how the FBI and Cook County and DuPage County all had files on Dugo, but no one had ever built a case and charged him with any crimes. At 1.13 p.m., just 25 minutes after I send her the email, she replies, Oh my God, when can we talk? What's your phone number? And that was the start of a beautiful partnership that over the next two years turned into a friendship. I gave Dorothy my phone number and I started the process of transferring the information I knew over to her, which was, as you have heard on this podcast, it was quite a lot. She introduced me to one of her investigative producers, Carol Thompson, whom, like Dorothy, was a complete bulldog. She had connections far and wide all over the state and had access to information that the normal layperson like me had struggled to be able to obtain. She was able to get me information via the Freedom of Information Act, like the police report from 2012, where Ricky Dugo's wife, Shannon, was arrested for stealing $1,012 from a safe at a car wash while Ricky Dugo tried to keep watch. Mind you, the owner of this car wash was one of Dugo's real, actual friends. Shannon was caught on video camera opening a safe that was behind the counter and removing an envelope 
with $1,012 in cash from that safe. The interesting piece of the report that was filed is that the police officer wrote up a narrative that said, according to the owner of the car wash, Bill, Ricky Dugo is a scam artist and he steals money from everywhere he goes. Bill believes that Ricky gave Shannon the combination to the safe and told her to take the money. Ricky Dugo once worked at the car wash before Bill owned it and Bill never changed the combination after taking over. All of this is detailed in the Naperville Police Department Incident Case Number 2012-012793. Now, Shannon was initially charged with a felony, but she pled it down to a Class A misdemeanor. See Illinois Court Case 13 CF 2555-02. That's crazy, right? Carol and Dorothy were amazing partners. I encourage you all to go out to YouTube and search Ricky Dugo and CBS2 Chicago after you are done listening to every episode of To Catch a Con Man. The hard work Dorothy and Carol put in helped to make sure viewers in the CBS2 viewership radius were aware of what Dugo was allegedly up to. I want to let you all in on a secret. Using the media to help expose Ricky Dugo to a larger audience was always part of my plan. I was lucky in that Dorothy was in a time and place in her career where she had built this reputation of being a reporter who took down scammers. Well, she didn't need to take down Dugo per se. I already had been working on that for almost three years. I just wanted her to push things along on my behalf. She happened to have room in her busy schedule, and she had the buy-in from her bosses at CBS2 Chicago to start her own impartial investigation into Ricky Dugo. When she needed help corroborating the story, I would call victims and ask them if they would be open to telling their stories on camera to CBS2. If they said yes, they were willing, I would relay the information back to Dorothy and she would set up the meetings and bring her film crew out to get the goods and the victim stories. She parlayed that with doing her own due diligence, as in a stakeout in front of Dugo's house on a very hot summer day in 2021, where she pops out of her car just as Dugo is walking out of his scammed townhouse. Another rental scam we haven't even talked about yet. And she fearlessly walks up to Dugo and says, I've talked to so many people that say that they've been scammed by you. And Dugo tries to walk away from Dorothy and the cameraman. And he says, yeah, I understand. It's a lie. And that's why I have attorneys. And he is forced back to hide inside his house. And as he walks up to the door, you can see his hand is shaking. Dorothy won major points with me after she published that story. Over the next two years, about every six months or so, CBS2 and the investigative team were hand-in-hand with me and produced many small follow-up stories where they interviewed victims from near and far in Illinois and Missouri and South Carolina and California. She interviewed one of the earliest victims that has ever come forward, a woman that sent me an email back in 2021 saying she was Dugo's girlfriend in the 1980s. She dated him in high school, and she gave him $600 for his help in buying her a used vehicle. And he took the money, and he never gave it back. Here is the point. 
I knew I needed a media partner to help me expose Dugo on a much larger scale. If you remember, I was promised that when Ricky Dugo was eventually arrested, Lake County would issue a press release, and that never happened. With Dorothy Tucker and Carol Thompson from CBS2 Chicago poking around and requesting Freedom of Information Act requests about this case, Lake County was forced to issue a press release. Two months after Ricky Dugo was able to walk in on his own and surrender to the outstanding arrest warrant, on May 12, 2021, Lake County finally issues a press release bulletin. I will read the press release bulletin to you. It is titled, Vernon Hills Man Charged with Bilking Over a Half Million Dollars from Area Victims. Lake County, Illinois. A Vernon Hills man charged with stealing over half a million dollars faced court today as he was arraigned on six felony counts of theft and conspiracy. The charges were filed in April following an investigation by the Lake County State's Attorney's Office after three area victims complained to authorities. Ricky Dugo, 54, appeared during a Zoom hearing on Wednesday morning and entered pleas of not guilty to all counts connected with his alleged schemes. Lake County Circuit Court Judge Daniel Shanes set a case management date for July 6th. A trial date has not yet been set as attorneys on both sides began pouring over thousands of pages of discovery information in the case. Lake County State's Attorney's Office charged Dugo with two Class 1 felony counts being unauthorized theft of between half a million dollars and a million dollars and theft by deception of between half a million dollars and one million dollars. He also faces four Class II felonies, including two more theft counts involving between $10,000 and $100,000, and two counts of conspiracy to commit financial crimes, with those counts identifying between $10,000 and $100,000 as having been lost. Class I felonies are punishable by a sentencing range of 4 to 15 years in prison. Class II felonies carry a sentencing range of 3 to 7 years. The dates of the alleged offenses run from January of 2013 to March of 2018. Assistant State's Attorney Kevin Barrow said Dugo is alleged to have convinced his victims to give him money for investments that didn't really exist. Beryl said Dugo would then return to the victims for additional money, stringing them along after the initial investments were given to him. He went on to say, each of these victims in this case fell prey to a long con. These scams had significant negative impacts on their lives. Our goal in the case is to seek justice for victims who were truly hurt by these schemes. According to prosecutors, it is possible additional victims may exist. That's the end of the press release. The significance of the official press release is that this all gets picked up by the media outlets. And on May 12th, 2021, WGN News, The Daily Herald, and my favorite Facebook media outlet called the Lake and McHenry Scanner all publish stories. The Lake and McHenry Scanner has over 229,000 Facebook followers. So while his actual warrant 
and arrest were non-events. The CBS2 Chicago team forces Lake County to issue this press release. And now we have additional media outlets sharing the story to hundreds of thousands of people. Finally, we are getting the attention and exposure we wanted so that Duga wouldn't be able to do this to anyone in and around the Chicagoland area again. This was a really pivotal moment for me and for all of the victims that stood hand in hand with me. After CBS 2 Chicago airs that first Ricky Dugo scam story on November 16th, 2021, you may hear at the end of the clip that there could be new charges filed and an additional victim may be coming to light. Now, I had been given that same piece of information a few months prior in one of my few conversations I had with Detective Tony Thies. Detective Tony was the exact opposite of Detective Bill in terms of giving up information. I remember Detective Bill telling me that he had a nickname for Tony. He called him the mouse because he never gave up any information. Detective Tony had mentioned that they were working on additional charges in Lou's case, but that case was pretty complicated, so they were taking the time to review and to expect additional charges at some point later this year or in 2022. Now, the first few weeks and months after his arrest were really pretty slow and really nothing exciting other than his arraignment where, of course, Ricky Dugo pled not guilty. The presiding judge over the Ricky Dugo case at the time was the Honorable Judge Daniel Shaines. Judge Shaines was selected in 2007 to serve as an associate judge. Then in 2010, the Illinois Supreme Court unanimously appointed him as a circuit court judge, where he has served winning elections in 2012 and again in 2018 until present day. According to the Illinois Lake County Bar Association, in conjunction with the Illinois State Bar Association, Judge Shaines has consistently received the highest rankings a judge could earn. From what I knew of Judge Shaines, the folks I knew that worked with him over the years all vouched that he was fair and reasonable and a perfect fit for this type of case. The first 10 or so case management meetings were on Zoom, so I could log on and mark my name as Adam-Dugo-Victim-Case-21-CF-000-0369. And the county clerk would allow me in and I could listen in and view the hearings. I was able to keep in contact with Assistant District Attorney Kevin Barrow, who was a very busy prosecutor for the state. He would set up times to meet via Zoom, and I would ask some of my questions, and Kevin would try his best to answer them if he was able to. I tried to learn about the law and read as much as I could about the processes and the motions and how things were supposed to progress. And the case was progressing. It just was really slow to make its way through the system. If there was a case management meeting, say in September, and a motion was filed, 
we would have to wait until everyone's calendars synced back up to hear the motion, say, two months later, and then wait another month or so for a ruling on that motion. And there were a lot of motions being filed. In my opinion, there was one central theme that needed to be included in our case. Kevin explained that we would be filing a motion to add additional acts, something you will hear me call the other acts motion. This motion, or request of the court, was to seek the admissibility at trial of certain other acts evidence of defendant. Let me break that down for you. The other acts motion was a way to ask the court well before the trial was ever scheduled for permission to allow similar like-for-like witnesses to the same defendant's crimes to be allowed to testify and provide evidence in support of the prosecution's case against Ricky Dugo. Basically, attorney Kevin Barrell was asking Judge Shanes to consider allowing other Ricky Dugo victims that had had the same crimes committed against them tell their stories in court to show a pattern of lies, crimes, and deceit. While you may think that you can call anyone to testify in a court case, it doesn't work that way. In my opinion, our entire case and the ability to show Rick's pattern of reusing and recycling scams over a period of many years, told through victims' voices who would take the stand under oath, would make it hard for any judge and or jury to see this as anything other than a long con and well-executed, premeditated, deceptive act. So on August 24th, 2021, Assistant District Attorney Kevin Barrow filed his motion to allow other Ricky Dugo victims evidence and potential testimony into this case. It was a really fascinating read. So after that motion is filed, the Dugo's power team of attorneys filed their response to the additional acts motion on October 19th, 2021, over two months later. Much of the response is legal mumbo-jumbo, where the defense points out that the like-for-like alleged crimes against the victims the prosecution wanted to add as witnesses were based on mere suspicion, as none of these witnesses ever felt it necessary to notify the police about the alleged wrong being committed. Basically, the additional victim witness testimony should not be allowed, because there were not any criminal complaints filed by them in regards to Ricky Dugo, as the only one that went to the police was me. The defense goes on to argue that admission of prior bad acts would tilt the scale and deprive Ricky Dugo the right for a fair and unbiased trial, as guaranteed to him under the United States and Illinois constitutions. I mean, this is some really super interesting shit to read and argue, as I personally understood both sides of the argument. Yet, obviously, I knew that this motion was something that had to be approved. I cannot underestimate the importance of this motion. In my opinion, the argument for adding additional acts was the single most significant legal maneuver that could seal Ricky Dugo's fate. On that same day, October 19th, 2021, the defense also filed a new motion, one where Ricky Dugo was asking the court to sever the single case into three individual court cases and potentially three different trials. The rationale and argument surrounded the premise that if this went to trial as one large case, 
the three victims who had alleged charges each occurred in different years, involving different locations, involving different parties, and subsequently involved different evidence. And if joined into one case, these unrelated separate offenses could be construed by a jury to show Dugo's propensity to commit crimes. Moreover, it could show prejudice and sway a jury to convict based on one victim's testimony versus all of the victim's testimonies. Again, attorney Kevin Barrell was prepared for Rick to ask the judge to sever the cases. And while you may be thinking that would be of the benefit of defense and for Ricky Dugo, I personally think this was the benefit to the three victims that had charges against Rick. And here is why. By asking the court to sever the one large case into three individual cases, the state would have three bites at the apple. I remember Judge Shane's saying that if he asked the defense if this was really what they wanted to do. And by three bites of the apple, I mean the state would have three chances to convict Ricky Dugo at separate trials. He would have to defend himself at three different trials. So Rick would have to be found not guilty three times in order for him to get off scot-free. Now, let's talk about discovery and evidence. The state had compiled over 6,000 documents in their discovery of crimes against victims perpetrated by Ricky Dugo. Think about that. 6,000 pages of documents to sift and sort through. That is a mountain of evidence the state's investigators and attorneys had tendered to the defense. From what I have been told verbally, the state's investigators had a list of 178 victims and witnesses to over 40 years of Ricky Dugo cons, scams, and frauds. So in my personal opinion, the motion to sever didn't play out well for Dugo, as he would have to defend himself at least three times at three separate trials. Oh wait, there is more. Remember when I said that there could be additional charges filed? Well, on January 19th, 2022, the grand jury approved the fourth victim's charges, and these would be a doozy. Remember Lou, the salesman from the car dealership? You know, the one Dugo befriends and has him bail him out of the hotel bill, and then Rick goes on to rip him off for uh, $34,000 in cash and cars and dirt bikes and Rolex watches? Yeah, that's the Lou. You, you remember Lou. Well, on January 19th, 2022, a warrant is issued and the state's attorney's office files six, yes, six new charges against Ricky Dugo. Count one, theft of currency, vehicles, watches, and furniture, value over $100,000, but less than $500,000. This will be a class one felony. Count two, Money laundering. The defendant deprived Lou property and deceptively caused Lou to give a check money to Renee Schulte, Rick's sister. The value did not exceed $10,000. This would be a class two felony. Count three, money laundering. The defendant, once again, on another occasion, deprived Lou property and deceptively caused Lou to give a check money to Renee Schulte, again, Rick's sister. The value did not exceed $10,000. This would also be a Class 2 felony. Count 4. Money laundering. 
the defendant once again on another occasion deprived Lou's property and deceptively caused Lou to sell Rick's bank account at Bank of America. The value did not exceed $10,000. This would be a Class 2 felony. Count 5. Deceptive Practices Intent to Defraud by Deception in a Series of Acts in Furtherance of a Single Intention and Design to Purchase Furniture two Harley-Davidson motorcycles, and three Honda dirt bikes. This would be a Class II felony. Count 6. Deceptive Practices Intent to defraud by deception in a series of acts in furtherance of a single intention and design to purchase Rolex watches. This would be a Class II felony. Now, because Ricky Dugo was already out on bond, he wasn't rearrested. He was arraigned on these additional charges on February 8th, 2022, where he entered a plea of not guilty. So I guess you won't miss me saying what I've been hammering home this entire season of this podcast. He had never been arrested in Illinois for carrying out any of his cons, scams, frauds until now. As the case was making its way through the court system, it was too early to tell which side really had the upper hand. It was going to take time and patience before we would ever get our shot. So I learned to be patient, and I waited. Finally, a warrant is issued for Ricky Dugo's arrest, and he quietly surrenders without any press release. Adam goes fishing for a media partner and finds a friend in Dorothy Tucker and the team at CBS2 Chicago. If you continue to be intrigued by this story, please tell your friends and family about it. I can promise you it will only get better from here. On the next episode of To Catch a Con Man, there is a backlog of court cases in the system with the case against Ricky Dugo moving slowly through the judicial process. Adam believes the entire case hinges on a very specific motion. Could Dugo be ready to cop a plea? Ah, that really is the question for next time.